What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming you all to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 106. Thank you all so much for joining me and rocking with me for another hour to hour and a half. And we've got an amazing show in store for you today. The Washington Wizards are making a play. They are going big game hunting for Masai Ujiri, but is playing the waiting game a smart maneuver? We'll discuss that. Plus, the hive mind mentality. Oh my gosh, if you like this one artist or this one athlete, you then must dislike their rival, even if there's really no rivalry. Why have we succumbed to this idiotic position in our society? I'm going to try to break things down. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First, I'm going to start the show off this week with an article and an issue that really hits home for me. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you already know this, and especially if you know me personally. But uh, the New Yorker released a feature where, I forget the reporter's name, but he interviewed Jalen Rose, and the the topic was supposed to, or I guess the article, the piece, the feature, was supposed to hit on a wide-ranging issues um, affecting the NBA in the basketball landscape, but they really kind of honed in on analytics in today's day and age in the NBA. I really suggest all of you read it, um, because it's a sense it's sensitive to me because obviously I, I find myself I've I don't really say find myself I am a huge proponent of um, advanced statistics in the NBA um, and not really even in the NBA right I'm really big on if you believe something if you have an idea if you truly believe something support it and support it with something tangible oftentimes those are numbers right. Um, but it could be other ways to do it, but I, I do like fact-based support, right? If, if I shouldn't say fact-based, right? Because one can argue that any statistic can be disputed or refuted and we should critique any data, particularly with numbers, right? How do how do we come up with the science? What is the science behind this? And then let's start critiquing. And then once we finally, once it has passed, the scrutiny, okay, now we can kind of hone in and, and really look at our results, our data to, to find out what we can do, what we are learning. That's how I view any type of data, right? We, it has to be scrutinized, but then once it meets your level of standard, okay, bomb, we may have something. But I don't want to get on a tangent. Jalen Rose made the argument in this New Yorker uh, feature that he's not the biggest fan of analytics. And I'm paraphrasing here. I do say, I will say, excuse me, in the piece, he says he views analytics as a tool, not the entire toolbox, right? And cool. That's fine. You know, uh, I disagree. I wouldn't say that every single tool needs, you know what, from this point forward, Instead of saying analytics, I'm just going to say data, right? Because I think what has happened is that we have turned the word analytics into the big bad boogeyman. So people hear it 
And then they jump to spreadsheets and nerds and all this other stuff. And we're going to touch on that, I promise you, in this segment. But in reality, analytics just means data. It just means information. Okay, there isn't anything that you would do worth the damn that you would not go in trying to find as much information, as much data as you could. Right. You want to buy a car. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to look for data. If you're a parent and you want to put your child in the best schools in your neighborhood, guess what you're going to do? You're going to search for data. Everybody has all these social media outlets, right? All these people use all these dating apps to, to meet somebody. Guess what you do? Ladies listening to the show or anybody listening to the show, if you, if you find a guy that you're interested in, you do a background check. I know it. You call your homegirl. Hey, do you know this? Do you know some bum 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 bum? I got homegirls who say they have friends who work in the police department. So they'll do a background check. Hey, does this dude have any type of questionable red flags? Guess what that is? That's searching for data. No matter, you want to apply to a job, go to Glassdoor, see what the pay. If you know somebody who used to work there, you search for data. We all do that. No matter, no matter the avenue, anything that means something to you, you invest some way, somehow, some shape or form into acquiring information and acquiring data. So I'm going to set aside the quote unquote A word for the rest of this quarter. And we're just going to replace it with what it actually means because so many people get turned off by the A word, right? Because they are in their mind, they have this fixated notion of what that means. But in reality, it only means data. It only means information. So once we break that down, yes, in anything that I do, I want to have data as the backbone. When I started this podcast, guess what I did? I talked to people that I knew who did podcasts, who started their own uh, production companies. I researched what I should be doing, the trends in the podcast platform. I researched podcast conferences. Shout out this year. We definitely will be making appearances to multiple podcast platforms. I will give you guys details on that as we approach. All of that is acquiring data, all of it. And if you are honest with yourself in any endeavor that means something to you, you also do what you have to do to learn more to inform yourself, to acquire data. Does not mean it's gospel, but yes, in anything, particularly in a multi-billion dollar industry, yeah, <laughs> when it comes to decision-making, I need to know, I want to know as much as humanly possible. Give me all the information, give me all the data that I can consume. So I disagreed with Jalen at that point, right? And he was like, yo, data is information is just a tool, not the whole toolbox, right? But his larger point, I agree with. The NBA prides itself in being this inclusive organization. The NBA prides itself on being this richly diverse and forward thinking uh, professional league. And when you look at not just ownership, and obviously when we're talking about financial ownership and money, 
these this conversation can easily pivot towards race relations in this country. And when we talk about and we will be talking about STEM, math, science, obviously, and perception that absolutely goes and shifts and pivots. It all is connected with race in this country. But y'all ain't ready. So we ain't going to have too deep of a conversation right now. But just know that's always there. That's in the tuck. You want to have that conversation with me? Tweet at me at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show, or email me at QuarterlyReport.com. But y'all ain't ready, so it's all good. But what Jalen Rose is talking about is about the lack of hiring minorities in the NBA. And he's 100% right for a league that prides itself on all this thing, you know, being inclusive, yada, yada, yada. You look at the people who are running NBA organizations. Mm-hmm. They don't look that diverse to me. And we're not just talking about black faces, Latinos, Asians, women, you, let, you name it. It doesn't, when I go out to an NBA game, it's one of the, one of the many things I love about basketball. It looks like the America that I know, right? One of my closest homeboys, Ian McCoy, has been on the show. Ian McCoy, white dude, one of the biggest basketball fans that I know. You know what I'm saying? I could talk to Ian about basketball all day. We had a group chat. Brothers and Ian, you feel me? And it's not just that one white friend. I mean, all, so many of my friends, right? The central theme of our friendship is basketball. And I think that's super dope. So when you look at the crowds, when you look at the players, the athletes, when you look at the look at how basketball is covered, right? In relation to other popular sports. And you will see, oh yeah, it is the diversity show. It's I can see it. And everywhere up the the, the officiating, right? The, the analysts, the hosts of shows, not just sideline reporters, but the people who actually host shows, okay? The people who are looked upon as experts, the, all throughout the list, all up and down it, until you get to the top. And then you start wondering, huh, that's kind of weird, right? Because in all other facets of this game, it looks like, my the America that I see and I get it I'm in a bubble but then when you get to the top it looks like the America that I know <laughs> you understand what I'm saying when I'm at the when on the ground level and even up a few ladders that's the America that when I walk out of my house in Largo Maryland when I go out in Washington DC when I take my daughter to Bowie and when I do all my things the, the interactions that I have at the library Right at the basketball court, at the gym, at the grocery store, at the gas station, at my job. That's the America that I see. It looks like the America that I am familiar with. But when you go up to 30 NBA teams, the top of the ladder, oh, that's the America that I know. That's the America that, okay, yeah. That's how they get down like that. I got it. So I'm with Jalen in that regard. Yeah. The NBA should be doing better. But what I disagree with Jalen, and there are a few here, he uses analytics as the vehicle to say, yo, that's why 
the NBA isn't a diverse melting pot in terms of front offices and ownership. He uses analytics, excuse me, the A word, I'm sorry. He uses information and data. That's the reason. And ah, man, I can't rock with that. Because if you agree with it, if you're saying the A word, information and data, that's the reason why all these front office heads, all these GMs, all these presidents of basketball operations are white men. I would have to ask you, number one, when do you feel the analytical revolution began? The quote-unquote analytical, because I personally don't feel that we're in it, but whatever. Ten years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago? Let's say, for just argument's sake, right? The A-word revolution began ten years ago. I'll ask you, if analytics is the reason why the NBA is not hiring more diverse faces to run organizations, then what was the excuse 15 years ago? What was the excuse 20 years ago, 30 years ago? The idea that analytics is the reason why the hiring practices in the NBA are what they are, is that's such a lame excuse. You are taking blame away from people who deserve to answer these questions. It ain't numbers fault. It's not the numbers fault that the NBA has never been a, a league filled with black and brown and women faces running NBA teams. No, nah, don't do that. That's lame. Don't that's a cop out because that's and, and it's wrong. See, when I read Jalen's article and again, as someone who consumes so much NBA that I have heard Jalen Rose bash analytics over and over again throughout the years. And though he did not do it in this article, and he shot at some bells like, yo, it is a tool. It can't be the toolbox. I told you I can't rock with that. And in his support of that perspective, he used PER plus minus in rating. Slim, come on now, right? Come on, Joe, let, let, let's, let's be real here. If you've listened to this podcast, if you know me, you know my feelings on both PER and plus minus. They're both trash. And I respect PER because PER is kind of like the grandfather. It was the first mainstream advanced statistic. But using PER in 2019 is equivalent to having dial-up. It's equivalent to using a rotary phone. The information has evolved. Everybody knows the flaw in PER. You know how to jerk it. You know how to game the system. This has been out there for decades now. You can't still look at PER as the as any type of meaningful statistic. It's one of the reasons why, and I respect Zach Lowe. I do. But when he uses PER in his articles, I'm like, dog, why? What are we doing? PER is respected from my perspective, right? I respect it only because what it has done, what it meant and kind of the path that it led. It was the first of its kind to be consumed from a, a, a mainstream, if you will. And I don't even know if it's mainstream, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's the first kind of big time stat that it used more than just per game numbers. But the idea that you could still look at PER as any type of competent measure of 
analysis is nuts to me. Plus minus? Dog, come on, bro. There are 10 players on the court. I, I We really should not have much discussion on plus minus, to be honest with you. There are nine other guys impacting the game. If you think that you can learn anything from a plus minus number, particularly in a game setting, in one game, dog, what are we doing? That, that would be the equivalent. So what Jalen did in this article saying, yo, I don't believe in PER or P. He didn't say I didn't believe in PR. I believe uh, information. I believe data is a tool, not the entire toolbox. And then specifically cite PER plus minus and rating. Right. That would be akin to someone saying, you know what? News is cool, but I don't know, man. I can't really trust. I can't trust Facebook. I can't trust the media. I can't trust Facebook. I can't trust Twitter. I can't trust Fox News or MSNBC. Like, if you're using those examples of media to kind of make any type of larger point, bruh, like Slim, we got we got to start back down from scratch. We got to reassess the foundation. That's just not, you you feel me? And I'm not trying. And please, 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 do not take what I'm saying now as a shot towards Jalen Rose. No bull. Right hand. Kid you not. I look at what Jalen Rose has done outside of basketball. And I genuinely inspire. He inspires me. The change that the real tangible changes that that man has made in countless people's lives is real. And I would never use any platform, let alone mine. This is only me. Everything that you hear this entire podcast is entirely me. I would never go out of my way to take that shot at a brother who's doing all of the tremendous things that Jalen Rose is doing. In fact, the reason why I'm using this, this space to tackle this is because almost precisely because of all the, the beautiful things Jalen Rose has done outside of basketball. His charter school cat, all of the things that Jalen Rose has done. A true role model. No bull. I'm not sizing at all, right? So I want to make sure I make that perfectly clear. This is no shots taken towards Jalen. But another thing that he does, and I think it was indirect, but he's not the only one. So many people, when they talk about the A word, right, information and data, they always, and, and the hiring practices behind it as it pertains to many sports. But I'm only going to focus on the NBA because that's the one I care about. I don't care about what baseball does. I don't, I don't care about baseball, right? And I'm ignorant to how baseball gets down when it comes to their front offices. I'm only focusing on the NBA. And when I hear people, when they do this kind of, this kind of broad takedown on analytics, then they say, you know what? NBA teams or owners and front offices, they're hiring these, these stat guys, oftentimes, quote-unquote, they'll say nerds, as opposed to players who know the game. And they do it by using analytics to get players out. So they're using analytics, and now all these jobs are going to these guys and not players. And then instead of just specifically saying players, they always, always, always say black people or minorities. So instead of saying, you know what? Instead of hiring former players, because this is the way it's always been done. Now they're using analytics not to hire former players. Now all of these young, smart, uh, 
or nerds, spreadsheet guys use analytics and get these jobs instead of the players. Instead of saying that, which I would agree, like, yeah. Well, actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree completely, and we'll get to that later. But instead of saying, yo, they're using analytics, and now because of analytics, they're not hiring former players, although we've had an entire lifetime playing this sport. They're using numbers to hire these quote-unquote nerds or these people who aren't familiar with basketball, these, players, these people who've never played basketball. Instead of saying that, this is what they say. This is what Jalen says. Oh, man, instead of hiring, or now they're hiring um, all these people who use numbers and analytics as opposed to hiring blacks and minorities. Stop that. Because when you do that, you are implying that black people and minorities cannot learn or do not know or do not use analytics and numbers. And that's just wrong. Bro, man, I hate that joint so much. I hate that joint so much. And I know Jalen did not mean that. And when Michael Wilbon said it a few years ago, I know he didn't mean that. And when Chauncey Billups has said it on television, and when Charles Barkley alludes to it, and Kenny Smith, and all these guys who have these am this amazing platform, when they say these things, I know they don't mean it, or they're not thinking about this one little hook. But it's there, and it's implied. And the idea that, yo, if you want people who are really good at numbers, you're not going to hire black people or brown people or minorities. Dog, that's so insulting. That's so insulting. The smartest people that I know personally are black. Like the idea that being black and being good and amazing at math and numbers and data and, and, and things of that nature, that, and acting like they're mutually exclusive is just so wrong on so many levels. And as minorities, particularly black and brown minorities, right? Because when it comes to the, the, the idea of math and being great at math, Asians, right? They actually do get like, okay, the, the stereotypes work in the favor that, oh man, you're Asian or you're of Indian descent, you may be really good at math. But if you're black or Latino, that it's the complete opposite. We are, the assumption is that we are not good at that. So when Jalen Rose and Mike Wilbon and J.A. Adande and all these people who have this, these great platforms and well-respected members of media, especially in the NBA circles, allude to this idea that, yo, if you want people to like, if you want an analytical or analytically driven front office and people who are really great at these numbers, you're not going to hire a black person. That may be true, but you can't phrase it. And look, man, the only people who are doing analytics are white people. No, nah, Joe, don't say that. Because that's just not true. And it's insulting and it's a stereotype that black people fight every day. My sister's the smartest person I know. The smartest person that I know. My best friend, second smartest person I know. I'm talking about like brilliant, brilliant. Have the numbers, the data, the information to back that up. And every day they got to fight, blah, 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 all this stuff, all of these issues about an intellect because the, the stereotypes exist. I'm a producer. You give me, give me the numbers. I will, I will time a show 
to the T. Every time I take a new job or uh, interview for something, they always ask, can you time a show? And I think to myself, I wonder have this has this question been asked to every candidate, right, in passing like that. Because it's, it's like, huh? How do you figure? How do you figure I've gotten and have accomplished the things that I've accomplished if I didn't know how to time a show? But this type of stuff is always under the the core. This is like a bubbling topic, and the, these stereotypes and people's personal prejudices they exist. So when we act like yo, there there aren't people who can be black and be amazing and excellent at data research and at analytics and at statistical information. That's just wrong. And it gets paired that way as if, as if it's an either or situation and that's insulting and it's dangerous. So when I'm reading this article, though I'm with Jalen on the points like, yo, the NBA should be better at hiring a more diverse uh, front office and having a more diverse front office representation. I 100% agree, but I don't agree with using analytics, the A word, excuse me, as the vehicle to drive that point home. Now let's focus in on the player aspect because I do believe, I genuinely believe that genuinely believe that Jalen Rose, instead of using minorities and blacks, what he really meant was, and again, this is just my interpretation. This is how I feel about what Jalen Rose said. And that's a bit of arrogant. I understand, right? I'm not taking what he's saying at, at face value. But the reason why is if you feel like analytics is the reason why black people are not being hired anymore, what would be the excuse? I asked this earlier. What's the excuse for 20 years ago? Why weren't black people hired more 25 years ago and 30 years ago? <clears throat> and what I feel is the jobs that once went to Elgin Baylor and Wes Unseld and Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas are now going to Kobe Altman, Steve Perry, Troy Weaver. Like these are the guys who are getting the jobs now. The Gerson Rosas, like the minorities who are getting the jobs now aren't many of many of them don't have NBA history as a player. They're going to different people, and this is my point precisely. Masai Ujiri is the best GM in the sport. He didn't play a second of NBA basketball, and guess what? He uses analytics. And guess what he's also doing? Teresa Rich. He's hired a woman, a prominent position in his organization. At the time of this recording, this team is one win away from an NBA's finals. Why do we continue to dismiss that? You know, if play and also another aspect, guess what? If players want to get hired for jobs, you can do it. But instead of begrudgingly accepting advanced statistics or just saying three, per, three specific stats like PER and plus minus, man, hammer down, learn it. That's what Elton Brand did, former player. His first move, and I've been super critical of Elton Brand, but his first move was a home run. Traded Sarich, Covington, Jared Bayless, and pieces for a legit superstar in Jimmy Butler. 
That was a brilliant, masterful move. In less than 12 months, we have seen Elton Brand, we have seen James Jones and Trajan Langdon, all hired in prominent positions in NBA front offices. All three former players, all three have some form of analytical exposure and dedication into their background. Why are we acting like you can't do it? If players, former players don't want to accept it, that's an entirely different conversation. And if that's the case, I have no sympathy for you. Now, I'm not saying because three guys got jobs in less than 12 months that the NBA has accomplished some type of feat that deserves praise. No, I'm not saying that at all. The NBA should do better. And I'm with Jalen 100% 100 of the way in that regard. The NBA should be held to a higher standard because they they like to receive the praise. Hey, look at how diverse we are. Look at all this all this inclusion that we support. So if you're going to do that, yeah, I'm going to hold you to that high regard, that higher standard. And Jalen Rose is 100% right in that regard. But in using analytics as a reason as to why the NBA's front offices are not diverse, he's wrong. And in, in saying that players cannot be hired, former players aren't being hired because of analytics, that's wrong. Like, we can't excuse old baby. And you know what else I'm not going to excuse? I grew up during the 90s. I live in D.C. I know how bad West Elmsell was. I know how bad Elgin Baylor was. I know how bad Isaiah Thomas was. I know how bad Kevin McHale was. Go down the list. of the former players, and this is something that we cannot overlook, former players who have had the opportunity to run NBA teams. They're not that many success stories, all right? Jerry West is the logo. Bong. You will never hear anything negative about Jerry West from me, okay? He's the greatest front office man of all time. But even if you look at the successes, right, the Joe Dumars, the Larry Birds, and even Pat Riley, who still runs an NBA team. It doesn't, all, it, it doesn't end well. Larry Bird was successful, and then he wasn't. Joe Dumars won a championship, went to two, and then he spent all this money on Josh Smith and Richard Hamilton. Or I'm sorry, not Josh Smith and Richard Hamilton, Josh Smith and Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Pat Riley's trading first-round picks left and right, and he's had success. Miami has won three championships with him. Take nothing away. But those three championships seem like a long time ago now, don't they? So maybe the owners in the NBA have evolved. They're like, you know what? Just playing in the NBA and just going off your gut and saying, yo, I've lived this. That's not good enough. Maybe, just maybe, they're saying, give me something else. How about this? When you are applying for these jobs, Give me some information on how you plan on running this organization. Give me some data on how you choose or how you'll choose on making these critical decisions. Don't just tell me that you've played. Don't just say that this is the way it's always been done. Don't just tell me that you're an NBA lifer. You got to give me more. Because Phil Jackson was an NBA lifer and he was a failure. 
Kevin McHale was an NBA lifer. He was a failure. John Paxton, NBA lifer. He currently is a failure. Steve Kerr is a great head coach. Guess what? When he was running Phoenix, he was a failure. Go down the list. Isaiah Thomas, great NBA player. Failure as a front office head. Go down the list. We got to stop this whole, man, just because you played. No. And I understand that that can be frustrating if you are a former player, if you are a Jalen Rose, right? Being like, dog, I played. You've never played. Don't talk to me like you know more about it than I do. But imagine if we use or apply that logic to everything. Again, I'm a television producer. Imagine if I was like, don't ever tell me that something that I produced was wrong if you've never produced television. The people who I look for criticism the most are people who are not or who have no idea about what it is to produce or how it is to make or or the behind the scenes television aspect of things. The people that I, I want to hear criticism from the most are people who are just consumers because they're not bogged down with, okay, well, this is how, this is probably what happened and this is how you should do it and blah, 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 blah. They just know what's good, what's not. What entertains them, what doesn't. We've all critiqued politicians. Raise your hand if you've ever run for elected office. We've all gone to the movies and be like, oh man, that movie was really good or that movie was really bad. We've all bought a music, bought music before and said, man, that CD was amazing or that CD was trash. How many of us have produced or made an album or recorded anything for mass consumption musically? So why is it when it comes to the NBA, you have to have experience to be, to be in a position to critique, to be in a position of power? That's nuts. You don't do that in any other avenue. Go to a restaurant. If you don't like the meal, you're going to be critical. Are you a chef? Bro, this whole argument, this whole discussion, again, I'm with Jalen in his overall theme. I want to make sure I hammer this point home before we move on. The NBA should be held to a higher standard. They absolutely should. And the NBA deserves, or not deserves, the NBA needs to be better. The Knicks, the Knicks are the only NBA team with a black president of basketball operations and a black general manager. Steve Mills, Scott Perry. And when and when Steve Mills and Scott Perry got their jobs, they were ridiculed by many of Jalen Rose's colleagues. So don't give me that. You feel me? Don't do that. If that's the one organization that's doing it and they still get hell. Because now I'm looking at you crazy. Because is it really about minorities getting opportunities or is it about former players getting these opportunities? Because I do think that's a, a, a large distinction because I don't think John Paxton, are you rocking for John Paxton? He don't deserve another opportunity. Phil Jackson don't deserve another opportunity, nor does Magic Johnson. Let's keep it funky. If you are a player, yes. It probably is a more competitive landscape for you to get a job in a front office position, but it can be done. Look at Vlade. You understand what I'm saying? 
Mitch Kupchak. He in he flamed out in LA, bounced back in Charlotte. It can be done. Danny Ainge. I've been super critical of Danny Ainge. I think he's gotten a pretty big pass. But he's still on his in on his throne in Boston. Living off that one championship, right? So it's not about former players. But are you willing to evolve with the marketplace? Because if you're still fighting against analytics, excuse me, against information and data, then no, I don't have sympathy for you. And if you're only going to use PER and plus minus as a way to, to showcase that you are open to the evolution of information and data, bro, you've already lost me. You've already lost me. Slim, I did not intend for that quarter to go 35 minutes. But, yo, that's how I feel. That's how I'm going right now. I know a lot of y'all disagree with me. I put it out on Twitter when I first started feeling this way, and I got a lot of feedback from you guys, a lot of disagreement, and that's cool. I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to be right that we stop listening to one another and try to build off of what each of each side is saying. So if you disagree with me, right, Hit me up. Let me know so we can have a discussion so we can build off of what I just said and I can hear you and then maybe we can find some new middle ground. I'm super interested in hearing what you guys have to say about this. So tweet at me at quarterly show Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show or email me at quarterly report at gmail.com. All right, guys, man, that's almost a whole entire first half on one topic. So we're going to keep the show moving with our second topic this week. Second so quarter. we just finished talking, and pardon me for going so long, but that's a, I really could have done that the whole show, breaking down analytics and how all its tentacles kind of impact every discussion, whether it's about race, whether it's about the evolution of how we talk and look about sports, whether it's about data and everything that we do. That type of stuff really fascinates me, but I'm not going to talk your guys' ear off about that one subject. But I mentioned Trajan Langdon. Trajan Langdon is one of the the guys that I look at when I when I hear the oh man, players can't get jobs, black people don't get jobs, analytics and black people don't match, da 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 da, all that stuff. Trajan Langdon, right, was a part of the San Antonio Spurs kind of tree. He started off there. He left with Sean Marks to go to Brooklyn. And if you look at the most the, 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 the moves that Brooklyn has made over the last four years, you realize, yo, they know what they're doing. And Trajan Langdon has been looked upon as one of the, the real rising stars as it pertains not just for black people in front office spaces, but just at league wide. Trajan Landon along with Troy Weaver, two guys who still have not been the number one, but they are well on their way. Many people are looking at them and saying, yo, Trajan Landon interviewed for the number one spot in New Orleans, but he impressed so much that they made uh, him a number two offer and he took it. And so shout out to Trajan Landon. But I say all of this because, and this is the overall point of this second quarter. I have heaped praise on the Brooklyn Nets for years. Yet, after this most recent trade that the Nets made this past week, trading for Torian Prince, moving two first-round picks, one this year, one future protected, 
to get enough cap space, along with Alan Crabb, to get enough cap space to be big-time players in this free agency. I thought, yo, that's a super dope move. Like, I think most people probably thought to themselves, yo, well, that's just, the Brooklyn Nets are really doing it right. But instead of people agreeing with me, I got so much, oh, you're a Knicks. Oh, you got to feel some type of way. Oh, man, don't hide. I know you hurt, blah, 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 blah. And it's nuts how we all, like, hive mind mentality, right? That's what I call it. It's just kind of sweeping every facet of our lives. Just because the New York Knicks are my favorite team doesn't mean that I can't like what the Nets are doing. Like, maybe it's different because I am not from New York. Maybe there is a, a natural rivalry between the Nets and the Knicks uh, because of regional, you know, issues or whatever but as a Knicks fan my entire life I've never viewed the Nets as a rival ever and again that may be because I'm not from New York that could very well be but I know Knicks fans who rooted for the Nets when they went to back-to-back -back finals I know Knicks fans who you know loved Vince Carter when he played for the Nets and I know Knicks fans who we're happy that D'Angelo Russell had a, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to size it, but he had a good year this year and he got a lot of attention for his play this year. That's dope. I think the Nets doing what they're doing is great. Just because I am a Knicks fan does not then mean that I can't like another team or I can't think, yo, man, they're doing it the right way. I, I wish the Knicks would do more of what the Nets are doing and I have hope. On Scott Perry and Steve Mills I do right that hope is growing not just because of what potentially may happen to free agency but like some of the little things that they've done right but it's not just me when it comes to the Nets I live in DC and it's nuts I see so many people I don't know how you can watch Kyle Lowry during these NBA play playoffs particularly during these NBA finals and and Decide to, to, to throw hate on him or to be critical of his game. Kyle Lowry is the player that Kyle Lowry has always been. He's not always going to score 30 points, but he does all these things that are so impactful in the game of basketball. Yet there's so many people, particularly here in D.C., right, who at every chance will just kill Kyle Lowry. And most of those people are huge John Wall fans. And I... And I've never understood why so many people who love John Wall, and it's not just John, right? We can go down the list of players, right? Because if you like John, I've noticed that you don't like Kyle Lowry or you don't like Kyrie Irving, right? Or if you like, I don't know, James Harden, you take shots at Russell Westbrook or you take shots at Dame Lillard. It's just this, or Steph. It's this weird thing where if you attach to one person, this hive mind, this mob mentality then makes you all of a sudden do all these strange and weird things to other people. It's nuts. Kyle Lowry and John Wall probably, they either A, are cool with each other, or B, don't even really, you know, it's no problem. Like the Raptors and the Wizards have played in the playoffs twice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the times that they've played, it's been in the first round. There's no rivalry between the Raptors and the Wizards. It makes no sense for people to, to, 
to dislike John because you like Lowry or dislike Lowry because you like John. John Wall's game, if you a John Wall fan, the last thing on your mind should be about Kyle Lowry. John got all these other things he needs to be worried about right now. You feel me? So the idea that so many people get so wrapped up into whatever they are supposed to like, whatever their, their side, right? It's just so silly, but it happens all the time. Case in point, case in point, man. This past week, the NBA Finals playing at Oracle, I believe it was game three. There's a shot on the sidelines of Jay-Z, Beyonce, and I believe the wife of one of the owner, Joe Lacob. I believe Joe Lacob's wife, correct? I, I, I don't, don't quote me on that. I believe it was his wife, but it was someone's wife, one of the owner's wife, wives in the Golden State Warriors organization. And it was a very harmless shot. You see Jay and Beyonce smiling. They're waving at somebody, bong. And this lady is talking to Jay. And then she leans in closer. And as she leans in closer, Beyonce, she makes, she doesn't even really scowl. She just, her, her facial expression changes. We have no context. We have no idea what they're talking about. They clearly don't know that there's a camera on them, right? And it was harmless as it is. But it does look like something happened. It wasn't this big thing. It wasn't like this complete shift in attitude or mood. It wasn't like someone took a fit. It was just a, a, a harmless eight-second clip. And then all of these Beyonce fans flood this wife's Instagram account to the point where she ends her, her Instagram, Instagram feed. I don't even know how that happens, bro. It is nuts to me how we can, we, and, and, and it's not just basketball, right? We all know. I don't know if I luckily have never felt the wrath of the beehive, but I've heard stories. I've seen the aftermath and it's something that I hope never happens to me, but it's nuts. Beyonce didn't have any problem with that lady. But all these people, and God only knows how many people it was, but you know it was a lot. Flood this lady's Instagram. She's trying to be a host. <laughs> She's asking what they want to drink. That's it. That was it. Beyonce could have just been like, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I want to drink, if anything. We don't know anything, but people from that eight-second clip felt so strongly that they flooded an innocent lady's Instagram feed, threatening her. And again, it's not just basketball. It's not just Beyonce. Every time Future drops an album, all these bamas just come out to work. And I'm thinking to myself, God only knows what they send to Sierra. Like, bro, they both grown. They both moved on. Why are they always, you could be a fan of both artists. That's cool. You could like one more than the other. Bong is one of the greatest quotes ever. I love it so much, man. And again, I talked about Jay just a few weeks ago. What you eat don't make me shit, man. <laughs> Dog, it's fine. Let them live. Just because you like somebody does not then mean that you, because you are a fan, have to attack someone else. That's nuts to me. I'll never understand it. And I don't even know when this began. It used to be like for the... the I remember being a kid and I would see like Michael Jackson fans and they just like lose their minds. And I was thinking, yo... 
Michael Jackson fans, they're like, I was a kid thinking this. Like, they're the most unstable fans that I've ever noticed. But Michael Jackson was this larger-than-life act, person, not just musician, just entity. They're always like, all right, man, whatever. Those, those are just for the special cases. Y'all ain't going to tell me the future is on Michael Jackson's level. It's not going to happen. And then, again, Kobe. Batman's got at Max Kellerman because he said, yo, Kawhi Leonard is better than Kobe Bryant. Y'all, hello? <laughs> let's, let's keep it funky. You may not agree with Max. But even if you disagree, that's not outlandish. I said it at the time. The only reason why I wouldn't say that is because Kawhi is still playing. There's a longevity factor, right? And that may be a flaw on my end. I'm not saying that I'm right in this regard. But for me, I'm more like, let's let's see how this plays out. Let's just see how it plays out. But that's, I don't think that's so, some type of hot take. I don't, like, you see people get up off the set, walk away, dismiss it. What's there to dismiss? We gonna act like Kawhi's not nice? You feel me? Like, but Kobe friends are nuts. Kobe, go online. Say something. Hashtag Kobe. And just wait. Dog. It's like going in the Walking Dead and turning on your speakers. The zombies just turn around and they charge for you, Slim. I will tell you, personally, I've never come across the beehive. I've never had, right? But the two fan bases that I have come across more than once and lived to tell about it are Kobe fans, Kobe stands, right? And Gennady Golovkin fans. Shout out to Golovkin. He fights this Saturday. We're going to talk about it next week, right? And I and this is the thing. I like Golovkin and I like Kobe Bryant. But if you say just the slightest thing that could be perceived as a slight, oh my God. Oh my God. I still have PTSD from my online wars from Sergey and Vladimir from the former USSR about my... My stance, my hot take that Gennady Golovkin did not want to fight Andre Ward, which I still agree and which I still feel strongly on till this day. Oh, my God, I wake up in the middle of the night worried about Vladimir. Vladimir. Yo, <laughs> call me everything outside of a child of God. You feel me? And I'm just thinking, like, yo, how, when did this happen? Was this always the case? Right? And I know, obviously... With social media, it's easier for people to get in contact. So when Hearns and Hagler, right, or when Hagler and Leonard were fighting, it wasn't like, you know, Sugars or Ray Leonard's fans and and uh, and Tommy Hearns fans were like arguing on the streets every day. It wasn't that. You feel me? But it's nuts. You know, I I, I don't know of. Emmett Smith fans and Barry Sanders fans always went back and forth. Maybe they did. They probably did. But again, because of social media, everybody can be connected with everyone else. And in some ways, that's a beautiful thing. And then in others, dog, if you don't have the, the emotional capability to just be normal, like dog, everything don't have to be a fight. It really doesn't. And that we live in a world where a woman really just trying to be nice gets attacked because your favorite musician adjusted her seat, right? And and stopped smiling? Dog, that's nuts. That is nuts. 
Y'all just heard the horn. So this means that means that we are approaching halftime. Before we get to halftime, remember, man, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And make sure you guys go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review and leave a rating. Let me, let your friends, and let the entire world know why. The Quarterly Report podcast is among the best sports. You know what? Modesty defeats me, dog. Let them know why the Quarterly Report podcast is the best sport podcast out there, dog. I'm I'm dead ass. I'm listening. I'm uh, I'm using analytics. I'm I'm listening. I'm I'm getting the information. I'm listening to Joe Rogan. You feel me? I'm listening to Ryan Brusillo. I'm listening to all these pods, bro. Hey, keep it funky. You know we coming. We are coming. I want to thank all of the new listeners, man. We've had another super successful month of May. Um, I really can't thank you guys enough. We had a really good month of May, considering the fact that I didn't even do uh, shows for the first few weeks. So thank you guys for listening. The numbers continue to grow. Thank you for spreading the word, telling your friends, and all of the new listeners out there. Yo, man, buckle up, baby, because we only going to get bigger and better from here. A lot of exciting news on the way. We're going to keep that on the low for a minute, but when it happens, y'all will be the first to know. All right, guys, so back to halftime, man. And again, you know, we, we, we were just talking about kind of this hive mind mentality and how people online, people in arenas, no matter where you are, if you like someone, we are, we are now becoming a society where because you like person A, you then have to take it out on person B. And that's uh, a, a, weird, a weird life to live. We here on the Quarterly Report, we do a lot of talking, but we also like to give real hard evidence. So to see just how absurd this entire, I don't know, this entire society that we live in now is and can be, I decided to give you Exhibit A. Yeah, 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 man. Look at your man. Look at your man over there wearing that Marvel t-shirt. Man, he don't know this DC cinematic universe over here. Hey, yo, my man. My man, tell me about Dark Phoenix. What the hell was that? <laughs> oh, Slim, you trying to go. Okay. Yeah, we may we may have had a little rough one with Dark Phoenix, but uh, Shazam me, what the hell is going on over there with Twilight being the new Batman, bro? Get your life together. Don't ever step to me like that, man. Marvel, Joe, this what's happening? This motherfucker think he... Who you talking to? Huh? Who you talking to, Joe? I'm talking to you. You hear me? What's happening? Huh? And I better not see you drive that Honda Accord around here anymore, Joe. You see? It's Toyota Camry life, Slim. What's wrong with you, man? Fix your face, Joe. Or I'll fix it for you. No, this didn't. Hey, man. Don't you ever disrespect my Honda like that again, bro. You see me? It's real over here, Slim. And why you rocking New Balances right now, man? You don't know dog is Nike right now, Slim. It's Nike over here. Get yourself hurt talking that mess, man. Matter of fact, meet me at Temecula. Yo, it's crazy out here. People will argue with you over anything. It, and it, it will be smart people, too. It's just like, for whatever reason, and I'm not all over different social media outlets right now, man. I really just got Twitter right now. But I see it on Twitter all the time. And I'm sure it's like that no matter where else you go. But people... Reasonable people who, when you see them face to face, are like normal and calm. But for whatever reason, they pick a side 
or if they're on social media, bong. It just takes them to a whole nother level. Kid you not. The last two weeks, I have, the last three weeks, really, I've had people, one of which I kind of know, and then other people who, you know, I engage with on social media. I've, I've basically have tweeted benign topics, benign tweets that I would say. And then you would think that I call somebody's mother out their name. You know what I'm saying? It's nuts. And I know if it ever happened, like if I were to see someone face to face, it would never be that energy. You feel me? But for whatever reason, people just line themselves up and they go crazy over something. And you just got to look back. Like if you were an adult, you just look back and laugh. You're like, man, what is this? <laughs> you understand? The fact that people will be a fan of Beyonce and they would torment this woman's, you know, Instagram feed with threats. Because Beyonce just changed her facial expression is nuts. The, the fact that people would not like Sierra because you like Future is nuts. The people don't like Kyle Lowry off the strength of their favorite point guard. All of it is nuts. And I, I can't, I won't believe that I'm the only one who can just look, look at this and be like, oh, what's happening right now? But people just get so caught up in the moment and so caught up in taking a side and picking the stands or riding and I'm this hive and I'm that hive or I'm a I'm part of the navy or I'm a a little monster or a barb or whatever the hell else. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. I'm a Nas fan. Blueprint is one of my favorite albums. Takeover is hard. And I remember growing up like that. I remember liking No Limit. And then when Troy came out, I was like, yo, I'm rocking with Troy, but I still like No Limit. It wasn't like you had to pick. But I guess, I mean, maybe that's just hindsight, right? Because a lot of people got caught up. You know, actually, no, nah, I'm not even rocking with that. Every time people say about Pac and Biggs, like, oh, this East Coast, West Coast robbery. Looking back on it, Pac got caught up in some gang stuff. Big got caught up with old boy. Trying to, you know, make his mark. That wasn't East. It wasn't like just some random East Coast fan went at the pot. Uh, they play California love everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's just, to me, it's super crazy. It's super silly. But it, it, it teeters on the verge of being really dangerous and reckless. And I don't know, man. I just like We should be better than that. You know what I'm saying? I... Let Beyonce live and let the lady who's on the sidelines live too. She ain't doing nothing. It's nuts, bro. Don't you ever come at me crazy if I'm wearing a DC comic shirt or a Marvel shirt. Somebody, you know what I'm saying? And, it's, and then we doing this all in jest. But really, if you think about it, are we that far away? Are we really that far away? The Kobe fan was really ready to fight a few years back. I don't even know if I said this. Temecula, Tem I don't even know how you say it. But Bama's was really ready to scrap over Kobe. Come on, Slim. Anyway, that's halftime. Adjustments have been made and we're ready to go. We're going to finish this show up strong with our third topic this week. Third. Slim. All right. Let me tell you. I am doing this Tuesday morning, okay? The show was already fixed. Everything was lined up with the show. I was just planning on watching game five Monday night. 
seeing if anything amazing happened or maybe I would tag the show of like, hey, the, the Raptors won. I was saving the fourth quarter in case the Raptors won or maybe there would have been some type of, uh, I don't know, insane moment. And trust, if you, if you watch game five, you know that there were several moments throughout that game that lend itself to a larger, deeper dive. I'm not going to do that, but I want to, I just want to illustrate kind of what is taking place now. The show is done. I had an interview with my brother, Ivan Carter. Shout out to my man, Ivan Carter. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Ivan Carter number nine. It was a really dope and thoughtful and insightful conversation about um, pipelines and diversity, specifically as it pertains in the NBA in professional sports, right? Kind of playing off the big story from quarter number one. And I may put that back on next week. Just depends on certain guests that I do have lined up in story time and certain story and topics that may pop up. Uh, I really wish I could have gotten to it. I may put that up online somewhere, though, because it really was one of the better interviews that we've had on the show. But of course, Monday night happens and everything changes. The entire second half of this show is done. And reality, I probably should have started the show, like just completely reconfigured the show, but I'm on a, I'm on a crunch, baby. So for those of you all who stuck through, yeah, we're talking about Kevin Durant now. Obviously, the story, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the entire NBA changes with this one. I don't even want to just limit it to an injury, to this one decision. I'm going to talk a little bit more about players' health and, man, just, just how, how, how crazy it is if I could put myself in a player's shoes, man, because it's wild out here, Joe. And I'm going to give you some different um, examples of that in the fourth quarter. But I, I want to just kind of hone in on this particular instance and just the ramifications from the league standpoint about how just significant this one injury is right y'all know i'm a nick fan i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be too selfish here and spend too much time talking about it because that that's kind of nasty right i will just say because y'all know i'm a nick fan it, it would be kind of an elephant in the room if i didn't address it just real briefly that changes everything for the knicks right the knicks are this is a the this is a nick type of situation to happen right they, they you talk about a cursed existence this is what being a nick fan is i'm really starting to question myself as a father because i brought my daughter into this misery okay and again i'm not trying to say that the most important thing about this is how it affects the knicks nah i'm not at all being that insensitive i just want to get this out the way right but when you look at the Knicks, and obviously most people believe that Kevin Durant was going to sign in New York this offseason, right? I mean, they had Kevin Knox and RJ. There were Knicks players at the Warriors game, I want to say game three. There were some reports about how RJ Barrett was talking to Kevin Knox, talking on a plane about how well the pitch to Kevin Durant went. And obviously after that is when you got the, the reports that people in the Warriors organization are frustrated with KD because they don't think he was that hurt. You you put the, you know, you do the math, you draw the lines, boom, right? Whatever. But how this one instance affects the entire NBA is quite clear, right? The Knicks 
who were looked upon as being players are not players anymore. Not for Kevin Durant. I don't. I can't. I can't foresee the Knicks or any team offering Kevin Durant a max four-year contract when he's 31 now, will be 32 once he has rehabbed from an Achilles injury. Not just any, not a knee, an Achilles, right? The kiss of death. I hope, whether he's a Nick or not, I hope Kevin Durant bounces back because like the last three years of his NBA career, it, it really is a fascinating deep dive. I don't want to spend too much time on it, right? But it was clear he made the choice that we all would have made, right? In our professional circles. I didn't agree with the choice. Well, I shouldn't say I didn't agree with it. It rubbed me the wrong way only because the Warriors are the team that beat his team in Oklahoma City. And his team in Oklahoma City should have won that series versus the Warriors, right? So it was kind of like slim, you know? But he had to make his decision as an adult. And he wanted to, this was the decision. He wanted to be happy. He felt that going to Golden State would make him happier. And he won and he achieved all the success that you could have envisioned. Two-time finals MVP, right? Back-to-back NBA champions, bong. But we as a basketball community were like, nah, bro, that don't count. Oh, man, you messed the game up. We, we made him public enemy number one. And it was clear that bothered him. The burner accounts, him going back and forth with people on IG, on Twitter, it didn't, it, you could tell that he, again, not to play, you know, self-psychiatrist here, right, armchair psychiatrist, but it felt like he thought winning would make, would be, would make him happier. That's, that's kind of what I, I sensed, and a lot of people I would think sensed from the outside looking in. But it didn't seem like it worked. It seemed like he was still kind of searching and he thought that he was going to get more acclaim. He beat LeBron twice. He was the finals MVP twice. Steph Curry hadn't been with him. And people from within his own organization, media pundits, fans, everybody were like, nah, Slim, you, you kind of jumped on that. So he, he made that move to, for happiness, then realized, okay, bro, this ain't really what I thought it was going to be. And then people start questioning his commitment to the team. Oh, man, is he, is he seriously hurt? Is he faking? Is he focused on this? Is that, 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 that. The people real life were saying, yo, the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. That was a real thing. And again, I don't have any inside information on this, but it seems as if he was kind of pressured into coming back. Kevin Durant is an adult. I'm not saying anyone put a gun to his head and said, yo, you got to play. He ultimately had to make a choice. But when you look at some of the reports, Steve Kerr was asked point blank, point blank, after game five, after they won, like saved their season, huge game. He was asked about Kevin Durant's situation, about what happened. He says, you have to ask Bob about that. Bob Myers, the general manager, president of Team Basketball Operations. He didn't say, yeah, man, this is just, he was, he was like, this is sad. They were asking him, why did you play him? Do you have any regret or regrets of playing him? He said, you have to ask Bob that. Steve Kerr later on goes on in that same press conference to say, we were told by the staff he could not injure himself more. Well, well how did we go from that then? 
If the medical staff is saying, yo, you have a sprained calf, you haven't played in a month, it was a significant calf injury, but you can't get hurt anymore, and in 12 minutes he, he tears an Achilles tendon? How do, I'm not saying that the Warriors were nefarious in, any, any, in, in this, but that doesn't seem right, bro. That doesn't smell right. After game four, there were reports to suggest that multiple reports to suggest, and not like from some blog, by real credible reporters, that there was frustration growing within the Warriors that Kevin Durant wasn't hurt as seriously as he said he was. So KD has been searching for happiness, it seems, right? Went to the Warriors to be happy, thinking that winning would, be, make, would make him happy. He wanted to play. He loves to play basketball. That would make him happy. He wanted to silence some of the criticisms because, yo, he wants to be happy. He wants to be liked, and we all do to some extent, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature. And then that happened. 12 minutes of playing time eruptures his Achilles. One of the best basketball players in the world. And it changes everything. Changes everything. Many people thought that Kevin Durant was going to go to New York. Some people thought that he was going to go to the Clippers. I don't know. I can't see either team, and definitely not the Clippers. The Clippers are a much smarter organization than the Knicks. But I don't see that happening now, right? He does have a player option of $31 million if he did want to rehab on year next year, get that 31, and then become a free agent after next season. That is completely still a possibility. But hours before Game 5 of the NBA Finals, Anthony Davis's team puts out a statement saying, that the only two teams that he wants to go, wants to be, wants, excuse me, the only two teams that he would sign a long-term extension with would be the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks. Well, the Knicks, they were building around Kevin Durant, KD, and then have that second star to come play alongside of him. Anthony Davis is significantly younger than Kevin Durant, so it would be kind of like a two-generational type of passing of the torch. Well, if KD's not coming to New York, that pretty much eliminates the Knicks from the, the Anthony Davis runnings, right? I would, I would assume. I think Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the league. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at Milwaukee, when you look at Toronto, if they keep Kawhi Leonard, if you look at Philadelphia, you've got multiple talented players. The Knicks at this point right now don't have that. So even if, and the thing is, if you were to trade for Anthony Davis, the young promising players that you do have, they would be gone. And you would be left with just Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is good enough to get you to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But then you have to ask, okay, what else are you putting around him? So if the Knicks are out of the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, guess what? The Lakers then become the clear favorites to get Anthony Davis, right? And if LeBron James has Anthony Davis running alongside of him, when you look at the Warriors, who would then be without Kevin Durant for most of the year, the Western Conference, Conference looks completely different. Because not only will the Lakers be able to trade for Anthony Davis, they then would still have money to sign a free agent. 
So imagine, because the report said the, the Pelicans want to get this deal done before next weekend. So imagine if the Lakers come in at the draft already ha- before free agency starts with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and still cap space. Bro. Bro. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. This one decision by the Warriors training staff and by Kevin Durant's inner circle to play changes everything. Everything. Imagine if Kawhi comes to Los Angeles to play for the Clippers and Kevin Durant resign or opts into his player right option for Golden State. You would then have the Warriors looking to go to six straight Western Conference Finals. An impressive feat, no matter how you slice it, whether they win or lose this finals, right? If next season they will be looking for six straight without Kevin Durant. Kind of like the last, if they are able to re-sign Klay Thompson, which I think most people feel that they will, that's kind of like a last stand, right? Because Draymond, if Kevin Durant opts in to the Warriors at 31 million, their luxury tax number is going to be nuts. Particularly when you look at the fact that they will probably re-sign Klay Thompson. So that was going to be the last year because I don't think next year, next offseason, the Warriors are going to want to re-sign Draymond at the number that he's going to want to come at, particularly given the luxury tax number that they're going to have to pay. So next year looks to be like the last run of this Warriors team as we know it. Not to say that they won't be able to, to rebuild, restructure, but as we know it, Next year may be, the, may be it. But also, you have to then compete against LeBron with Anthony Davis. And then also, Kawhi with the Clippers. I mean, when was the last... The only two teams to beat the Warriors during this run have been LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard if the Raptors do hold on to win this series, right? And that's just in the West. Then you go in the East... If Kawhi leaves, right, Toronto will take a step back, but that organization is amazing, and they have a lot of young, really talented players. And if Kawhi leaves, and, and if Kawhi leaves and Masai stays in Toronto, you know exactly where they are looking at. They are then focusing all of their attention to 2021 and Giannis. Mark my words. I guarantee you, if Kawhi leaves that organization and, and Masai Ujiri stays in Toronto, that entire organization will focus, they will, they will have a, such a laser-like focus to Milwaukee and Giannis. Mark my words. So Toronto, if Kawhi were to leave, they take a few steps back. But again, Milwaukee, 61 team, they're still there. The Philadelphia 76ers, the team who has played the Toronto Raptors the toughest thus far, they're still there. It seems as if Kyrie it will be going to Brooklyn on paper. That seems to be an upgrade, right? So they will improve. They were a six seed. Oladipo will be, will be back. And Boston, they still have all their young pups, essentially, and all of these picks. So they will then be able to move and do some things as well to improve, right? We will then have a legit league where there are three teams in each conference who have a real shot at a championship. Again, this is assuming Kawhi goes to the Clippers, right? 
And I think the safe assumption that Anthony Davis gets traded to the Lakers. If LeBron James and Anthony Davis are playing together, bro. And then they still have money for another max contract. And Kevin Durant will not be playing for the Warriors. You do the math. The Warriors look way more human. I don't care what y'all say. All that the Warriors are better with Durant. Stop that. We put that to we put that to bed real quick. Jay Holiday, right? That's over. You got the Warriors without KD, the Lakers with AD, and the Clippers with Kawhi. That's just in the West. Who knows what Houston ends up doing? Those names out there probably trying to figure out what they can do to move Chris Paul or Clint Capella. All these names being tossed around, bomb. Then in the East, you still got Milwaukee. You still got Philadelphia. The Nets should be better. The Celtics are still there. All of this happens because one injury. And that is nuts, but that's why the NBA is such an amazing league and such an amazing product. You heard so much this year about the ratings being down, this, that, and the third. Mark, watch what the ratings do next year. Watch. For all the people who want to talk slick about ratings, and, and on a side note, I don't necessarily know why fans really care about the ratings. For leagues, right? If you've got a favorite television show, right, the future of that show depends on the ratings. If it doesn't rate well, that show may be canceled. They're not canceling the NBA or the NHL or football or baseball because of ratings. That's just not going to happen, right? Because no matter how quote-unquote low ratings are, live sports moves the needle in today's digital streaming age more than anything. More than anything. You know, they're not canceling the Pro Bowl because it rate like they're just not. They're not going to cancel an NBA season because people aren't watching the finals like they did last year. It really doesn't matter. But you know, back to halftime. That's just kind of we pick a sides and we just we just fight, right? We just, that's just kind of how the society is now. You got to pick a stance and you got to fight on that stance, right? But it's amazing how. The NBA can change so much just off of one move. The ripple effects based upon what happened Monday night in game five of the NBA finals with Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles. And shout out to KD. Prayers up. Hope he bounces back no matter what team he ends up playing for. But the entire landscape of the league changes just like that. And it could start very rapidly. Very quickly could this start, right? Because if the Pelicans stay true to their word, and do move Anthony Davis before the draft, who really is challenging the Lakers in that regard? Who? I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show, or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. And damn it, man, doesn't it always seem like the Lakers, no matter what happens, bro, favor falls upon them. You know what I'm saying? Ah, it's just it just doesn't seem fair. It de- dog, they're going to get Anthony Davis, and they'll probably sign someone like Jimmy Butler or you know Kemba. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just, and then you'll have LeBron, AD, Kemba or Jimmy, and then they'll fill out their their roster accordingly. It's just nuts to me, bro. Oh, I just tell you, man, what they say, it's better to be lucky than good. 
But when you got LeBron and you're lucky, just look out, bro. All right, guys, that's the end of quarter number three. But we still want to talk about Kevin Durant and his injuries, specifically the future of professional athletes as it pertains to their health versus what their teams say their health is or should be. It's a real interesting, fascinating discussion, and that's how we're going to end the show with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. So we talked about how the Kevin Durant injury can affect the entire landscape of the NBA on the court. But I also want to take time to look at how there is this growing, well, I shouldn't say growing because it hasn't happened yet, but I feel like, I, I feel like personally, and this is kind of the, the 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 place right the the space and the the form that I want to have right where we're not just chasing what the the new thing is right the new the new buzz and you know what the new hot take is I don't want to follow that man I I really want you guys to kind of have an insight into who I am and kind of how my mind works and hopefully we engage in a way that you guys find this type of stuff interesting too because what what the biggest takeaway from me from this entire Kevin Durant injury and situation is how we afford the team all of the benefit of the doubt, all of the goodwill. And when you break things down, starting piece by piece, right? And so, and, and, I, and I'm using myself as this as well as a, as someone who is in the member is a member of the media, not the sports media anymore but still is a person who is a part of the media. You can see how certain certain storylines, certain narratives are built up, right? Case in point, last year, and, and part of this year as well, the San Antonio Spurs went out of their way to make Kawhi Leonard into the culprit, the bad guy, the villain, right? They they brought in Manu Ginobili, who talked about Tony Parker's personal experience with the injury. No one knows how different Tony Parker's or Manu Ginobili's injury was to Kawhi Leonard's, right? No one knew that. But Manu Ginobili, a player, a teammate, got in front of cameras and was like, yo, there's nothing wrong with Kawhi. We've all had this before. How do you know? They brought in David Robinson, the most respect, one of the most respected players in any sport, honestly, to question Kawhi. Like, man, nobody knows what's going on with Kawhi. Make it, make it look like, number one, Kawhi is crazy because he know his body and then make his family look crazy, right? All of that was nasty. It was nasty at the time. But members of the media, right, and fans and all of us, not saying all of us specifically, because I never bought it. And I know a lot of people who I speak and follow, they didn't buy it either, right? So I don't want to, I'm not I'm saying generally. The NBA community kind of ran with this idea that Kawhi Leonard quit on the Spurs or that he wasn't tough enough or that something was wrong with Kawhi. And because Kawhi stayed true to who he is, right? Kawhi did not go out of character. Kawhi doesn't speak to the media like that. They throwing dirt. I feel like, you know, the, the line from Ether, watch y'all, spit on me, piss on me, on my grave, talk behind me, 
behind my back, but in my face, y'all some envy wishing. You know what I mean? That line from Ether. Like, that's kind of what it was with Kawhi. Kawhi was like, bro, I hear all of this. I see all of this. Y'all are playing nasty. Y'all are playing foul, right? And he wanted to leave. And raise your hand if you don't understand why someone would want to leave. And that dynamic. He hurt himself. It was clear he hurt himself. Dog, it's clear that right now Kawhi probably still doesn't understand all of what's happening with his body. You see him grimacing sometimes. You see him limping sometimes. He ain't doing that for play. You know what I'm saying? And it's nuts that the Spurs, the one organization in the NBA that we hold at the highest regard, right? The Spurs and the Patriots and team sports in America. Those two teams, we just afford them all the goodwill. They don't do anything wrong. They just, and all the times we've seen things happen in the Patriots organization, right? From small, you know, trivial, minuscule, like the air, the deflate gate and all that stuff, the taping of practices, all the way to the Aaron Hernandez, to the tragic. There are legit questions about that organization and how they get down. But because they win, we afford them all the goodwill. Same with the Spurs, right? They don't talk. They don't do anything crazy. You don't ever hear them out. So we afford them all this goodwill. They went out of their way to paint one of the best players. Many people now think that he is the best player in the league. Kawhi Leonard as someone who was soft or someone who was not committed. They made his uncle into being some helicopter father on some LeVar Ball. Like that was nasty. I never liked that. And I talked about it when it came to Chris Stops and his brother. You don't ever hear, you never hear it. And I'm not, again, I ain't trying to make this a race thing. I'm not, I'm not, don't do that. You know, don't do that. But it's so funny, the people who are portrayed as the overbearing, the crazy relative. Whereas Giannis Porzingis, you don't even, if you're not a Nick fan, you got no idea some of the crazy stuff that he's done. But that's a, that's for another time. We ain't we ain't going that way, right? But I thought it was crazy how they portrayed Kawhi's uncle, making him out to be nuts. When in reality, and this ain't just hindsight, the moment that was happening, I was like, something's wrong here. This is because Kawhi has never come across as someone who just didn't want to play. How do you, how do y'all get down like that? And then instantly, once all of that stuff started happening, what happened? Kawhi was like, dog, I want to get out of here. And then people looked at him crazy for that. Then after he gets traded to Toronto, Danny Green, another player who you don't hear ever hear anything about negatively, Danny Green was like, yo, they misdiagnosed my ankle. I was, Danny Green was nothing. You look at Danny Green's numbers last season and they compare it to like the previous three and this season. There was clearly something wrong with him. The team was like, nah, Danny, you good. And he kept on playing. And then he gets to Toronto. He's like, yeah, they misdiagnosed me too. But nobody really made a big fuss out of that. So through much of this season, people still had this wrong, this incorrect, this negative idea of Kawhi and his family. When in, actual, in actuality, all that happened was his family was like, Slim, listen to your body. You know how you feel. They are, the team doctors are out for them. They're not out for you. 
we hear it over and over and over again, man. The NBA is a business. But so many times, players, man, and I get it, man. It's it's easy to get lulled into a sense of family. And this, these organizations, you know they sell that. And they sell love and loyalty and all this stuff. They're not loyal to you, bro. Let this Kevin Durant situation be exhibit A from here until the end of time. Bob Myers cracked jokes with Durant standing next to him about how this is Steph's team. And the moment they get down three to one, you start hearing, yo, people are frustrated. People in the, what is it, or in the Warriors organization is frustrated. Where do you think that came from? You think some, you think respected reporters just pulled that out of their behind? You start hearing, yo, The, the the medical staff of the Warriors like, yo, you can't re you can't hurt yourself more. You can't worsen this injury. Do you know the first time I heard that, that I can recall? The first time I heard a team say, look, you can't make this worse. That I can recall. And I'm sure it happened prior to this. I just was, it never really sat with me the way it sat when RG3 messed his knee up, what, back in 2012? Right? We all know how that played out. He was told you can't re-injure it. Dog, they had James Andrews. The skins lied. <laughs> Dr. James Andrews is one of the most respected team physicians. Not just team physicians. This is one of the most respected sports physicians in the world. The skins and Mike Shanahan were like, hey, man, we talked to James Andrews. He said he was fine. They then later interviewed Dr. James Andrews said, no, I never said that. In fact, I said he shouldn't go out and play. The teams lie. They lie, they lie, they lie. And because teams give access to members of the media, there will be and there always will be reporters and analysts and hosts who will carry the water for teams because that's kind of the payola now, right? Pay to play. I give you this information. You put this out there for me. And it's a nasty game, bro. I'm not going to go deeper into it. I can give you specific examples. Trust me. I can give you specific examples. I ain't going to do that. But hear me when I say this, bro. And I mean it with every ounce of my soul. The game is nasty. Peep it, though. Yo, it's the old cliche. When people show you how they are, trust them. Don't listen to words. When someone shows you who they are, believe them, bro. Believe it. Bob Myers got in front of the camera and he started crying and doing all this other Dog, what you crying for? That's my number one thing. Why are you crying? Unless, and I'm not saying they will, I'm not going to say that they fake tears. I'm not going to say that they crocodile tears. Them joints could be genuine, but the, they would be genuine because guess what? He knew he was wrong. He knew he was wrong. Steve Kerr, the head coach, was like, dog, ask him. Ask him why this happened. The medical staff told me he couldn't re-injure his, he couldn't, the injury couldn't be more severe. So how in 12 minutes, everybody who knew that he had a bad calf, who everybody was like, dog, that joint's probably a little bit more severe than they let him on. In 12 minutes of play, he blows out his Achilles. And guess what? It's happening in D.C. right now with Trent Williams. And you saw it. Initially, initially, it was going to be the same thing. Rinse, wash, repeat.
player is unhappy. We, we vilify the player. And look, you can bring up all these side, side things when it comes to Trent. And Lord knows they exist. But, and, I've, and I've heard people do it. I've heard people try to do it. You bring up the, the, the marijuana. You bring up his play. You bring up all this other stuff, right? You bring up the fights, all this other stuff. But my question to you is, what does that have to do with anything that what Trent is saying? Trent is saying that he was misdiagnosed. And now everybody is wanting to paint it about money and paint it about this and about that. I, I was listening to the radio this weekend and somebody was saying, you know, maybe he missed these OTAs because he thought he, he would fail a drug test or something. Like dumb stuff, man. Super reckless, nasty stuff. At what point are we just going to believe the players? The players put their bodies on the line all of the time. The San Antonio Spurs traded Kawhi Leonard after dragging him and his family's name through the mud. Was it worth it? Because look at what's happening now. Does Kawhi look like, does it look like Kawhi doesn't want to win? That he doesn't want to play? That he's soft? That he's not committed? He got traded to a team that he didn't want to go to in a city that he didn't want to live in outside of the country that he's from. And he's busting his ass every night. <laughs> Imagine believing the, the stories that came out of San Antonio about Kawhi Leonard not being committed. It doesn't make sense on any level, but because it comes from organizations and media outlets, we afford them all of the goodwill and the benefit of the doubt. And I'm asking, I'm pleading. No, I am demanding we as a smart, intelligent, evolved, sophisticated, responsible, sporting public, we say enough. Don't let this KD situation happen and then just pass by like we did with RG3. We let that joint just go. <laughs> like, Dr. James Andrews, I remember when it happened, working at Comcast, and I'm, I'm listening to Dr. James Andrews say, nah, I didn't say that. And I'm looking around, I'm like, yo, this should be a bigger deal. And Bamas was like, nah, 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 let's go back to Mike Shanahan and RG3, because that's what was the sexy, salacious topic. That's, that's nuts. And that comes from an organization with, with the Burgundy and Gold who has no goodwill. Dog, hear me when I say this, right? The skins are looked upon similar to the Knicks, one of the worst organ, organ, organizations in sports, American sports, like the bottom of the bottom. Yet we gave them goodwill over the player. And we're almost doing it now with Trent Williams. So if, if you give the benefit of the doubt to the Knicks and to the, the Skins or the bad teams, imagine what you give the Spurs or the Patriots or the Warriors. I don't know how we get to this point, but damn it, man, we got to start finding out ways we get out of it. Because that's where I'm at now, bro. Because Kawhi and Durant happened in one year's time. Two of the best players in the league. And the best players in the league. In a league that prides itself about being a player's league. Nah, miss me with that. Just like you can miss me with the NBA talking about how diverse they are. Nah, 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 nah. I'm done with that. If I feel that way, if we feel that way, let us give you those 
uh, accolades and those accomplishments. Don't don't bestow them on yourselves because number one, that's wrong. And number two is nasty, bro. It's sick. And I'm just giving you examples that I can speak to. I can speak to the RG3 thing. The Trent thing is happening right now. And the Kawhi and the Durant thing are a perfect example because they're both playing in the finals and they're both two of the best three to five players in the league. So that's why I'm using these. Trust me, if you want to, go down. Look at some more examples of this where players are like, nah, man, I'm not feeling right. This don't feel right. And then everybody then jumps on the player like, nah, bro, you got to be tough. You got to be strong. You got to be this. You got to be that. Joe, y'all know I love boxing. The reports coming out of Anthony Joshua's camp from his father were like, Eddie Hearn forced AJ to fight. AJ was like leaning up to that Ruiz fight. And I don't say it because I don't want to make it an excuse, but just to keep it funky. If you watched that fight, you saw right after, immediately following, Anthony Joshua's dad got right in Eddie Hearn's face yelling at him. You tell me why he would do that. All the reports suggest that AJ's dad was like, dog, he's not ready. This is not good. Stop the fight. We can't do the fight before the fight happened. Like, yo, we have to postpone it, delay it. We got to stop looking at athletes as like, like horses, you know, or, or, you know, greyhounds. Like these they, they, beings that exist purely for our entertainment. The Marcus Cousins lost I don't even know how tens at least, maybe hundreds of millions. I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins ever gets close to a max contract again. He would have got that had he not torn his Achilles. I remember when John Wall got hurt. And so many people were like, yo, man, I can't believe John signed his contract. And yeah, we could talk about how bad the contract is, but I'm so happy that he signed it. I'm so happy that he signed it. Because had he not signed it, John Wall would be a free agent this offseason. How much money do you think John would get now? It hurt my team when we gave Amari Stoudemire all that money. But damn it, I'm glad he got it. Because had Amari not signed that contract from us, he would have never got the bread that he deserved off of the years and the end, not just the years, but what he did when he was in the league. I'm not saying that, again, I want to make sure I draw the distinction. I'm not saying teams should pay players based off what they have done. But I'm saying players deserve money from the league because of how crazy rookie contracts are and the stipulations and how much a player can and cannot get. Amari Stoudemire throughout his first five years in this league was amazing, an amazing NBA player. And he did not get compensated based upon number one, his productivity on the floor. And number two, his Jersey sales, the number of tickets that he brought into Phoenix, all the stuff that he was doing, his play, he was grossly underpaid his first few years in the league. So the fact that he was able to recoup once it was past his prime, I'm happy for him. I hate that it had to be my team, but I'm happy he got his bread. I'm always rocking with the players, man, and I hope more people start to, man, because the game, to quote Martha Daniels from the greatest show of all time, the game is rigged. But you cannot lose if you do not play. I hope more players of all sports start understanding, man. The team doctors, the medical staff, they're not your family. 
They don't care about loyalty. They care about you being obedient. They try to manipulate you. And I hope, I hope, I hope every player from this point on says enough. And that we as, a, as fans of professional sports also say enough. We're not rocking anymore. Because it's nasty. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. I know we ended pretty strong, you know, and, and it took a long time this this week. But, you know, I, I it was a lot of really interesting, really um, complex and fascinating things for me. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. I would love to hear your feedback. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show, or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Again, it's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E Report at gmail.com. Also, Tweet at me, email me, but also leave five-star reviews and a rating, man, at Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, wherever else you listen to pods, man. Let me know. Let your friends and the world know what you think of the Quarterly Report podcast. Guys, I hope you guys enjoy your week. Enjoy game six. Lord knows I will. There's so much going on in the world of sports. I'm super excited, and we'll be back next week to break it all down on the Quarterly Report.